Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. How's everyone doing today? It's Down to Football back with another episode. Hope everyone's doing well. It's great. Great day, great weekend of football, had two crazy games, one was sort of a blowout, one was very close, and a lot of questionable things happened, and we will further that discussion later on in the episode. Hope, that, Like I said, hope everyone's doing well, I know I am, but let's just get right into it, There's, I, I don't want to keep going on, let's just get right into it. So first off, you know, we got our recap. Only two games this week. Obviously, it was Championship Sunday. I'm going to start off with the Chiefs-Bills game because this was, again, a very one-sided game. Mahomes, 29 for 38 with 325 yards. Well, first off, let me just say the score was Chiefs 38, Bills 24. I might have already said that. Who knows? As I was saying, Mahomes went 29 for 38 with 325 yards and three touchdowns. Very Mahomes-esque performance. Darrell Williams, the backup backup running back, I think. I'm not entirely sure. Had 13 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was active for this game. He, I believe he only had six carries for seven yards, but he did score a touchdown, so at least he got the score. Tyreek Hill went nine catches, 172 yards. And on one play, he had a, he had a, it was a short pass over the middle, quick slant, I mean, he just, he ran across the entire field. It was, I believe he ended up gaining 70 yards on it. Could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was 70 yards. It's a very long catch, but essentially he ran, he had to have run well over a hundred yards. He was, he was juking. He was, let me tell you something. As fast as he is, he's very, very agile and you know, he's short, fast, very, very quick. He was pretty much putting the entire Bills secondary on skates until one player managed to catch up to him. He didn't even tackle him, but it slowed him up just enough. It was actually, it was just a crazy performance from him. Obviously, like I said, nine catches, 172 yards. It's great for him. Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, as consistent as they come. 13 catches for 118 yards and a touchdown. He caught the touchdown on a little underhand shovel pass from Mahomes. It was a very unique play. We see a lot of unique play calls from the Chiefs. Miko Hardman, he did have a muffed punt that ended up being returned. I don't know if it was returned for a touchdown, but it turned into a touchdown from that play. But Miko Hardman had a 50-yard carry at some point in the game. You know, he's wide receiver, but he probably had an end around 50 yards. He also had a receiving touchdown. I believe he only had one or two catches, not very many yards. But it, again, same situation as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He at least had that touchdown. The defense totaled four sacks and managed to pick off Josh Allen at one time. Josh Allen, on the other hand, didn't have a great performance. He went 28 for 48. A lot of flashbacks to early in his career, even though he's still young. But when he was very inaccurate, off target, and so on, he had 287 yards and two touchdowns, followed by an interception. He did lead the team in rushing yards with 88 on seven carries. The Bills, I think that has to be an offseason priority is really get that run game established. It's it's very mediocre, to say the at best. Cole Beasley had seven catches for 88 yards and led the team. Stephon Diggs had six catches for 77 yards. Dawson Knox had six catches for 42 yards. 
and a touchdown, and the defense only had one sack. It was a very lackluster performance from the Bills. They jumped out to a 9-0 lead real early, and then it seems like every time Mahomes sees the other team with a lead in the playoffs, she just absolutely ruins their whole hope. Um, yeah, crazy game from Mahomes. Very typical. Chiefs dominated, and they will be moving on to the Super Bowl. On the other side, we got the Buccaneers versus Packers. Bucks take this one 31-26. In my prediction last week, I did indeed say that the Bucks would win this game, and I also said they would win by a score of 31-27. to Only one point off of the Packers score, but still a pretty spot-on prediction. I got the Chiefs right, but I was a little off with the scoring. Is what it is. I'm very happy with my prediction for the Bucks game. Brady went 20 for 36 with 280 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. I believe one of those interceptions went off of Mike Evans' hands. I, I had a friend who loves Brady text me how much he hates Evans because he thought that was going to ruin the whole game, but fortunately it did not. The two other interceptions, from what I saw, were not very good interceptions, and the I believe those two interceptions happened in the Packers' end, so they were kind of bad interceptions for Brady, but still ended up getting the job done. Fournette, Leonard Fournette, had playoff Lenny. He's been performing very, very well in the in the playoffs. Uh, he wasn't very good with Jacksonville. I, I thought he was all right with Jacksonville. He just didn't score a lot. You would think as big as he is, he would score a lot. But in this game, he had 12 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown. Chris Godwin finishes with five catches for 110 yards. Mike Evans, Cameron Brait, Scotty Miller all combined for a touchdown. Scotty Miller's touchdown came at the end of the first half. Eight seconds left. I see him come in for a package play. He's got one-on-one -on -one coverage with Kevin King on the uh, left side of the field, I believe. Brady, Scotty Miller burns him. Brady throws a dot. Managed to put up seven points before the end of the half. That's something a defense can't do. Very, uh, In all honesty, it was an essential play of the game, so... But the defense also performed very well. JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul had two sacks, and Shaquille Barrett totaled three sacks. And the team, the team also had one interception, I believe that was by Sean Murphy Bunting. Overall, a great performance. Brady, again, he did what he needed to do. The three interceptions were kind of eh, but the three touchdowns made up for it. Now, Rodgers was actually pretty pretty dang good in this game. He went 33 for 48 with 346 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. That interception, a lot of people were questioning it because there was a little bit of holding, a little bit of tugging, a little bit of grabbing, and so on. But the rest were letting that happen pretty much the entire game. But I'll, I'll get a little deeper into that once I've done these statistics. The Packers only had a combined 67 rushing yards. Again, it seems like the team that can't establish a runner at least get some rushing touchdowns seems to be on the losing end. MVS, Martez Valdez, Scantling had four catches for 115 yards and one touchdown. I believe he burned, I can't remember, I'm pretty sure it was Carlton Davis on, on a touchdown. And now, as a Saints fan, it's kind of embarrassing. Now, Michael Thomas, Carlton Davis, keep going back and forth. I'm tired of hearing it. Michael Thomas, you're not, as much as I like you, you're not in the playoffs right now, so you can't really talk. And he did shut you down a couple times. You were injured, but that's not what we're talking about right here. Devontae Adams had nine catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. The defense totaled three interceptions and one sack. And although it was a decent performance by the defense, unfortunately, the team as a whole could not get it done. And the Bucks will be making the playoffs. In Brady's first year in their uniform, it's actually crazy. Father time 
is inevitable. He's in Brady, you know, he doesn't even have these insane performances, but he just brings this winning vibe. It's insane. And now he's going to his 10th Super Bowl, which will be played in Tampa Bay. And he's the first team, or I believe first team and first quarterback, well, that would make sense, to play in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. So that's definitely an interesting feat to accomplish. Some other recaps that I want to bring up. I want to talk about some head coaching vacancies that were filled over the past couple weeks. We could start with the Lions. New head coach Dan Campbell. He was formerly the Saints tight ends coach. I don't like Jared Cook, but I, I think that our tight ends are very, very solid. They might not contribute a ton to the team, but I'm not really sure how this fares as... As a head coaching position, do you really want a tight ends coach as your head coach? It's it's very it's a very very interesting thing to do. I have mixed emotions about it. I I don't for the Lions. I don't think this is really the direction they go in. I think they get an established name, a, a hot commodity, but instead they go with the tight ends coach. Could pan out. I I'm a Saints fan, so hopefully he does well. That's what the Lions accomplished hiring Dan Campbell as their new head coach. Urban Meyer is now the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, formerly Ohio State, partially retired due to heart condition and scandals. A lot of things going on there. Urban Meyer, very interesting head coaching hiring. I would think that the Jags, with getting Trevor Lawrence, they they would want to bring in sort of a veteran coach, you know, really establish Trevor Lawrence, but they bring in an established head coach in college football. I don't know if this is the best move, but I definitely don't think it's the worst move. I believe that the Jags are paying him a lot, too. It is what it is for the Jags. They already made their decision. I think this could end up being a pretty good head coach hiring. I also think that could it, there, it has the potential to fail miserably, so we'll see what happens with that. The Falcons hire head coach Arthur Smith, formerly Titans offensive coordinator. I like this a lot. I think that the Titans have a very fluid offense. You know, the Titans, for them, they have a lot of good pieces, so it worked very well together. Atlanta, if they can get a couple things to come together, if Matt's, Matt Ryan stays still, if Julio Jones doesn't go anywhere, and so on, the Falcons could end up being a very good team. A lot of it just depends on their defense and what direction their defense takes. Their defense has been brutal. Uh, many would call their secondary basically Swiss cheese. It's not great. Defensive line is all right. Linebackers, all right. But I think that this could end up being a decent signing. We'll see. We got Nick Sirianni as the new head coach for the Eagles. He was a formerly Colts offensive coordinator. I guess they want a Frank Reich product because Frank Reich really, really, really helped Carson Wentz and that offense while he was in Philadelphia. So I actually like this signing a lot. I had a feeling they'd get someone... Or they'd have a couple of connections with the Colts over the offseason, whether it was trading Carson Wentz there or grabbing someone as their new head coach. I didn't entirely expect Doug Peterson to get fired, but I think he should have. I don't, I'm don't. i not a fan of Doug Peterson, but Nick Sirianni is their new head coach. I like that signing a lot. Jets, I think this is the perfect signing for them. They grabbed defensive coordinator from the 49ers, Robert Sala. Again, when I was talking about a hot commodity, this is kind of who I was talking about. He's been a big name since last year, since the 49ers Super Bowl run. They've had a great defense for the last two years. This is who I thought the Lions should have signed. 
as their head coach, but they wanted to go with the Saints tight ends coach instead. But Robert Sala will be taking on a very, very challenging position in New York with the Jets as they are a very awful franchise right now. They have a lot of issues to overcome, a lot of questions to answer in the offseason, so we'll see what happens there. But I do like this head coach hiring a lot. And the other head coaching hiring that I like a lot is for the Chargers. The formerly Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, he led the Rams to a top-five defense for most of the season and ended up ranking them number one overall. The secondary was phenomenal this year. Defensive line, great as usual as long as Aaron Donald's there. Linebackers stepped up this year. Leonard Leonard Floyd, the linebacker who kind of had some injury issues, non-productive seasons with the Bears, ended up having a small breakout season in a good role. I think Brandon Staley's a great hiring for the Chargers as their defense was brutal last year. Their offense is, I think, fine as it is. They could add a few pieces. But if Austin Eckler's healthy, you have Justin Herbert, who who is fantastic this year, could end up working really, really well with Brandon Staley as the head coach. Fixed the defense, got a great offense, and so on. They are in a tough, tough division, though, with the Chiefs, so you can't really expect this team to turn around and win the division. I don't think they're going to win the division for a while, but I do think that they could put up a good record and potentially a wild card team. So good coaching hiring from the Chargers. All around, I didn't have any really negative thoughts about any of these head coach hirings except for the tight ends coach. Uh, like I said, if I'm an organization or if I'm an NFL franchise, I want someone who's established. That's just me. But I do like all these head coach hirings. And that's it for the recap. Moving on, we got our outstanding performers from the championship Sunday games. Kind of already talked about everyone's stats very vaguely just during the recap. So I just picked a couple from each team. Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill were your outstanding performers from the Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately for the Bills, I did not pick a single outstanding performer because I didn't believe the Bills had an outstanding performer. So sorry, Bills. For the Bucks, we had Godwin who had 100 plus yards, and then I picked Shaquille Barrett. And I think this is the first time I actually, I'm going to start doing this a little bit more. Hopefully next year, pick defensive players out as outstanding performers because Shaquille Barrett was absolutely fantastic in this game. He totaled three sacks. And then for the Packers, Rodgers didn't get the win, but he had a great game. And Martez Valdez-Scantling totaled over 100 yards, added a touchdown as well. So Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, Godwin, Barrett, Rodgers, and MVS are your outstanding performance for Championship Sunday. Moving on, I had a couple of my friends talk to me about a couple things, and I wanted to bring back a segment that I already did, but instead of creating my own, I wanted my friends to come up with some steaming hot takes. So first off, I don't know if this is really a steaming hot take, but it's definitely an interesting scenario. Deshaun Watson and Allen Robinson meet up in New York for the Jets. My friend Logan Peter came up with this one. Shout out to Logan. How I feel about this. I'm not entirely sure that it's a hot take. I think this is a completely legitimate thing that could easily happen. Deshaun Watson's preferred destination is the Jets. Allen Robinson is a free agent. I have a feeling with the quarterback situation currently going on in Chicago, he will not want to re-sign there. 
if Deshaun Watson and Allen Robinson meet up there, I'm not really sure what the situation with Sam Darnold would be. So it's definitely very questionable. They would have to figure some things out there. I think that if this were to happen, they draft Penny Sewell out of Oregon as their offensive tackle, beef up the O-line, give Deshaun Watson the O-line that he's really never had. He's kind of dealt with pretty mediocre offensive lines his entire career. Allen Robinson, I think this would be great. Finally gets a great quarterback. He's dealt with Blake Bortles in his career, Nick Foles, uh, Mitch Trubisky. It's kind of just been a rough spot for Allen Robinson for these last couple years, but he's definitely a very under, he's a criminally underrated receiver. I think that if Deshaun Watson and Allen Robinson meet up in New York for the Jets, they might not be the crazy winning winningest team. I don't think they fight for the division, let alone a wild card spot. I still think there's a lot of holes to fill on defense as well and and on offense, even if they got them too. You know, you still need a running back. You still need other receivers. Offensive line's still banged up. And again, the defense is still abysmal. So, But I think as far as it goes for steaming hot takes, I definitely think it's a hot take, but I don't think it's a steaming hot take. Again, I think this is a completely legitimate thing that could happen. So there's my thoughts on that. My next hot take from my good friend, Matt Carnesau, he says that A.J. Brown is better than D.K. Metcalf. I think that's a very, very hot take. I think D.K. Metcalf has established himself as a top 10 receiver already, if not top 5. He had a great year this year with 83 catches for 1,303 yards and 10 touchdowns. But let's talk about A.J. Brown. So his first year, 2019 A.J. Brown, 52 receptions for 1,051 yards and 8 touchdowns. And in 2020, he went up to 70 catches for 1,075 yards and 11 touchdowns. DK in 2019 had 58 catches for 900 yards. So more catches, 151 less yards, and 7 touchdowns, 1 less touchdown. But in 2020, again, he dominated with 83 catches for 1,303 yards and 10 touchdowns. Now this is what I have to say, say to this. I agree. I agree with my friend Matt. And for this one reason... The Titans run the ball so, so much. It's actually insane. Derrick Henry carried the ball 378 times this season. That's a lot of plays that it takes up, which means that that's a lot less plays where A.J. Brown isn't going to catch the ball. If you look at the Seahawks end, they don't really have a run game. They're a pass-first offense. Chris Carson, when he's healthy, yeah, they do well. But when he's not healthy, they they have a hard time establishing a run. So when you have such a consistent run game in Tennessee and you don't in Seattle, obviously in Seattle they're going to throw more, and obviously in Tennessee they're going to run more. But when A.J. Brown is still putting up back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, 8 touchdowns and 11 touchdowns, I'm not discrediting D.K. Metcalf, but A.J. Brown in the limited time that he sees when the ball is actually being thrown to him, I think he's what he's making out of it is just more efficient than DK Metcalf. Uh, again, I think DK Metcalf is is very, very, very good. He's essentially, you could probably call him great. I don't know if I'd call him great. He is a big body. He's fast, but in terms of route running and does have a couple of catch problems here and there. I think in the end, I think this is a steaming hot take, but I'm actually going to agree with my friend Matt. AJ Brown, I do believe, is better than DK Metcalf. From my friend Michael Miserak, we have something about Patrick Mahomes. So this is what he has to say. If Patrick Mahomes wins the Super Bowl this year, 
He is already a top 10 QB of all time. Unfortunately, I can't agree with this. It's a small sample size. Again, there's there aren't many quarterbacks who win two Super Bowls and an MVP. Well, one Super Bowl pending, potentially another. And again, an MVP prior to turning 27. I believe he's 26 right now or 25. And it doesn't matter. He's still so young and has accomplished so much. He's breaking records already. I think Mahomes is the new face of the league, no questions asked. I think believe that this is going to be a passing of the torch game where Brady hands it off to, to Mahomes, no questions asked. I love Mahomes, but to already rank him in the top 10 QBs of all time when you have established Hall of Famers with insane careers, Super Bowl wins, MVPs, all pro seasons, and whatnot, I just don't think that you can really say that he's already a top 10 QB of all time. I just think that it, it's it's a big recency bias statement because old heads, you know, people who have been watching football since the NFL was even first created, maybe not the NFL, but in the Super Bowl area when era when that was first created, they're going to say so many other guys. And, uh, and, you know, I agree to an extent. I do think that some of these guys, you know, are – they don't have the insane career stats and stuff, but they have the Super Bowls, they have the championships, and so on. But and although Pat Mahomes is going to have these, he already has a Super Bowl, he already has the MVP. He needs to rack up the accolades prior to being called top ten. Like he needs to have multiple seasons of four thousand plus passing yards and and thirty touchdowns. And I'm not saying he has to do this every single season until he absolutely demolishes records. I don't think he needs to do that. But this is I, this is what, his third complete year starting? He's been in the league four years and this is his third year starting. I just you can't really say he's a top ten quarterback of all time. I mean, I just think that I, I don't think it's outrageous. I do think it's a steaming hot take though. Because a lot of people would probably disagree, and I'm sure there were people that would probably dis that would agree as well. But unfortunately, I I just can't get with this. I think it's a little a little far fetched. And then lastly, for my friend Chris Jordan, we have Justin Jefferson is already a top ten wide receiver. I'll start I'll I'll start off with some stats. He had 88 catches for 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. He had a great year. He could potentially even win Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's either him or Justin Herbert. But I don't think he's even the best receiver on his team. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Justin Jefferson. I wish the Saints could have draft him, drafted him. Uh, you know, he's from LSU. I really liked him. Uh, again, he's a great receiver. And he's already established himself as one of the better receivers in the league. But to call him top 10, I mean, you're, you're kind of putting him in the zone with Stephon Diggs and and Tyreek Hill, and Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. I just don't think it's fair after one season to already call him a top 10 receiver. Now, again, this is another situation where I'm sure there's a ton of people who would agree with this, and I think it's very, very close. I think after his rookie year, I easily put him top 20, potentially even top 15, but to put him above wide receivers that have multiple a thousand yard seasons and multiple eight plus touchdown years and and so on I just don't think that you can already say he's better I think there's an argument for it but 
again, it seems situation with Mahomes, the Mahomes hot take is that there, it's too small of a sample size. You need to see more. Because for both of them, you know, it could take one ACL tear or one rotator cuff tear maybe for Mahomes that they might not ever return to the, themselves ever again and their whole career is kind of washed. So it's just, it's too small of a sample size. Again, I do think there's potentially an argument for Justin Jefferson and Mahomes, but uh, again, the sample size just isn't enough for me to agree with that. So no, I, I don't agree that Justin Jefferson is already a top 10 receiver. I, again, I do think he's top 20, maybe top 15, but not top 10. So that's it with Shimi Hot Takes. And now we got our player awards part three for the year. And this will wrap it up for the season. Offensive player of the year. I'm giving this one to Derrick Henry. A phenomenal year. He had 378 carries, and the big number here is the fact that he had over 2,000 rushing yards. He had multiple 200 rushing yard games, multiple 150-plus rushing yard games, and he added 17 touchdowns on top of that. I think with a, you know, with a quarterback winning MVP, I don't really think Offensive Player of the Year should be a quarterback award. I think it's got to go to tight ends or, or running backs or wide receivers, and in this case, just the fact that Derrick Henry had 2,027 yards is just—it's almost unfathomable. Uh, he's averaging over 100 plus yards a game. It was a great season from him. I do think there's some close calls, even though I just said I don't think it's a quarterback award. You could probably say Aaron Rodgers, since he's gonna—we'll get to that. He's probably gonna win MVP. You know, Dalvin Cook, who had a great year. Alvin Kamara had a great year. You could even say Travis Kelsey. All great years, but in the end, I think this award goes to Derrick Henry. Defensive player of the year, I'm taking TJ Watt, 53 tackles, 23 tackles for losses, one interception, 15 sacks, and two forced fumbles everywhere on the stat board. He had a great season. He really did. There was no really outstanding sack performer. It was kind of some modest sack totals for the year. I think your close calls are... Aaron Donald and Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard had a great year. He had 10-plus interceptions. Donald, just a game, game record as usual. No questions asked. But I think T.J. Watt was kind of the front runner for this award for the majority of the season. Now, I do think that, I don't know, the NFL is kind of weird with these awards. I, It's very possible they turn around and give it to Xavier Howard. And although Xavier Howard had an insane, absolutely insane amount of interceptions he didn't exactly replicate the shutdown the absolute lockdown season that Stephon Gilmore had and I think until someone replicates exactly what Stephon Gilmore did a cornerback probably won't win this award again for a while so that is exactly why I'm taking TJ Watt and for MVP your 2020 to 2021 season MVP for the NFL will be Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's close either. He had a great season. He had 4,299 passing yards, 48 passing touchdowns to a measly five interceptions. That's an insane ratio. Absolutely incredible. Nearly a 10 to 1 ratio. If you throw the rushing touchdowns in, then yes, it is a 51 to 5 ratio, which is over 10 to 1. Insane. He finishes with a 70.7% completion percentage. Also insane. And a 121.5 rating. 
a phenomenal season for Aaron Rodgers, although an unfortunate ending to their season as well. I think your close calls in this situation are Mahomes. He had a great year. Josh Allen, breakout season, great year. Tom Brady, again, beating Father Time, insane. He had a great year. Derrick Henry also had an amazing year. Unfortunately, I don't think Derrick Henry is going to win it solely because the the quarterback's always going to win it. But Aaron Rodgers, again, I'm sure he wishes that the Packers game could have gone a little bit differently. There were some questionable fourth down calls going for the field goal. I think he might have been a little upset because there were calls that the Bucks were getting that the Packers weren't. I don't think it was enough to turn the game around. The Packers had three interceptions and couldn't capitalize. So the Packers really just didn't deserve to win this game. Coaching mistakes. Just uh, unable to generate anything outside of what Aaron Rodgers was doing on offense. Nothing on the ground and so on. But what Aaron Rodgers did by himself in this game was uh, it was enough. It should have been enough. What he did this season, he absolutely carried him and Devontae Adams really carried this team. But I do think he wins MVP. Again, unfortunate ending to the season. But MVP for him, I'm sure he won't be too mad about that. I'm sure he'd rather have the championship. I'm sure he'd rather win the Super Bowl, but... Unfortunately, that's not how it went. And last but least, we got the Super Bowl. This is the last thing I got for this episode, last thing for the season, when I, since I'm Fantasy's Player Awards. But let's get right into it. I got my Super Bowl pick. I think it's it's safe to say that I shall continue with my predictions that I've stayed with about how the Saints-Bucks game that previously happened in the divisional round would determine the Super Bowl winner. And I stuck with the Bucks last week, so I think it's only fair for me to stick with them again. I think this is going to be the greatest Super Bowl of all time, the greatest matchup. You have the GOAT versus the kid. The kid, not to recognize that he's a young player, but a kid is a baby GOAT. Just want to point that out there. But... It's going to be a passing of the torch game. You had what was once the face of the NFL, passing it off to the new face of the NFL. It's going to be insane. At least I hope it's an insane matchup. But I do think that Brady rides off into the sunset with one last Super Bowl. He's entering his 10th Super Bowl, and he will finish with seven rings. I'm taking the Bucks 41-39. to I'm not saying Mahomes isn't humble. He's a very humble man, but it's going to be a humbling moment. Brady's going to defeat him. He's going to say, hey, I still had it. I'm done in this league now. I got my seventh rank. This is your league now. But I do think it's going to be sort of a humbling moment. I'm taking, again, taking the Bucks. 41-38 to 38 is my final prediction. It's going to be a great game. I, I hope it is. I'm, I'm very excited. See, I really wish the Saints would have made the Super Bowl, but I think this is a matchup that's absolutely legendary. So I, I hope everyone's doing well. That's going to conclude the episode. It's been a great season. After this week, I'm going to be doing an episode every other week. Going to start doing the, um, the around the NFL concept, really get a good perspective of a bunch of different teams. I'm very excited for that. And I just have one last question. Are you down to football?